All right, it's news dump, so let's uh, let's just get Tenet out of the way really quick. Uh, there simply cannot be more twists and turns in the actual movie itself than in the lead-up to the release of Christopher Nolan's latest film. Release dates have been constantly and consistently pushed, and the latest news on that front was that the whole world would get to see the film before the United States, a move that we enthusiastically supported, only to find out that Warner Brothers' plans were just to move forward with the release here in the States in select markets shortly after the worldwide mm -hmm. release. And we've said time and time again, not a great idea. And it'll probably get pushed again here in the United States. Yeah, but we also understand why Warner Brothers would move forward with such an aggressive release date for the film in the midst of a pandemic that is still very much happening and will continue to spread throughout the next month or so before Tenet is scheduled to be released in select markets on its tentative ha. release date of September 3rd. Uh, they run the risk of having the film leak online, which it totally would, albeit in less than stellar quality, which we would assume for this film would be a deal breaker for most. Yeah, even in the best quality, it'll have Chinese subtitles. Yeah. So, Anyways, despite the fact that moviegoers would be risking their health, possibly their life, to see the film in a scenario that obviously isn't best suited to lower the risk of transmission, indoor movie theaters are actually allowed to operate in 45 states right now in America. It's just that most keep moving their opening dates back to coincide with Tenet's release. So mm -hmm. essentially, whenever Tenet does come out, that will be the official opening day for most theaters in the country. Yeah, according to a report on IndieWire, they, quote, spoke to exhibition sources in some of the riskier regions who questioned whether they will make the date. But it's clear that most of the nation's cinemas will open as allowed. They are not irresponsible people, but their company's survival depends on this, and they will play Tenet. Uh, they also, quote, compiled an exhaustive list of theater opening rules now in effect. Based on this data, only Arizona, California, New Jersey, and New York face indoor theater closing statewide. Arizona has an August 9th reopening date. The others do not have a date. Some urban areas such as Seattle and Detroit also do not have approval. All told, even if all of California and New York couldn't open and a few other areas besides, more than 80% of the population would still have the potential to see Tenant in an indoor theater. Now, again, this is... Sorry, all, city folk. Yeah, this is one for the country folk. Yeah. Now, again, this is all predicated on the idea that people would flock to see this movie in theaters despite the risks involved, and that Warner Brothers and the theater chains would risk the potential bad PR and outbreak scenarios in favor of returning to normalcy as fast as possible. So, uh, like we've said time and time again regarding this film, we really just kind of got to wait and see. I mean, we're still leaning on the side of this probably not happening as scheduled, but... At this point, who knows? I like uh, the Herman idea... Herman Cain died for Trump. Are you ready to die for Christopher Nolan? I like the idea of uh, going to see Tenet becoming a uh, culture war topic. Yes, where, yeah. Like, uh, it's political. Yeah, supporters of the president and uh, opponents of masks and social distancing make uh, seeing Tenet like a part of their identity. Yeah. They're like, sorry, libs, going to go see Tenet. Uh, and, you know a non-insignificant portion of the population who does go see it for that reason would walk out and go, well, I don't understand a damn thing that exactly. happened, that's, but I expressed my freedom to go see it. That's why it's funny. Yeah. What the hell yeah. is this? Well, I don't know what I just watched, but at least I got to tri trigger some lips <laughs> in doing it. I'm going to be thinking about this movie for a long time. Yeah. And I'll have plenty of time to do that and in yeah, a hospital. Maybe right. a few of them end up getting really into cinema because of it. Yeah, it'd like, be a great thing. You know what? I originally just saw this movie because I knew it would piss off the lips. The lips, but... <laughs> 
You know, I'm, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna probably check out more of this guy Chris Nolan's films. They're yeah. uh, real mind benders. You guys seen this Inception movie? <laughs> it's got that Leo DiCaprio running upside down and sideways. Hey, come on down to my place. We're gonna we're gonna do a non-social distance viewing of Citizen Kane. <laughs> really trigger the lips. I hear it's the greatest film ever made. Yeah, got to check it out. Uh, anyway, um, now, let's move on now to gaming for a few minutes because we, along with at least a few other people out there, were a little concerned with the big Halo reveal from Microsoft's recent Xbox Showcase event. And while we're still extremely curious about the game, and we'll certainly be playing it, because we've been playing this series since it first launched when we were children. Yeah, decades uh, There were a few aspects of the reveal that left a lot to be desired. Most notably, the lack of any announcement or footage of the multiplayer aspects. And, of course, mm, those graphics. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll get to the multiplayer stuff, but let's focus on those graphics right now, which were really uh, you know, quite shocking when compared to screenshots of previous titles that had been released many years ago on older consoles. Mm-hmm. We've already stated before that, yes, the game is aiming to play at a much higher frame rate and in 4K, so some concessions will need to be made. Sure. But it really did look kind of bad, <laughs> especially for Microsoft's premier launch title for their new next generation console. Like, yeah. you got to come out the gate Very strong, strong and fast. Yes. And, uh, mm. Anyway, the team at 343 has responded to the criticisms and uh, they're working on it. Yeah. But also, it's a design aesthetic that they were aiming for on purpose, I guess. Um, it makes it better, I think. No, my game doesn't look like shit. That's it's my meant a- to look like aesthetic. Yeah. Uh, from an official blog post, quote, With Halo Infinite, we're returning to a more classic art style, which was a key message going back to the very first reveal that garnered enthusiastic and positive responses. This translates to a more vibrant palette, cleaner models, and objects with less noise, though it doesn't mean less detail. While we appreciate this uh, may not be everyone's personal preference, we stand by this decision and are happy to see it resonating with so many fans around the world. The second theme being discussed involves visual fidelity. Negative feedback in this area includes comments around characters and objects appearing flat, simplistic and plastic-like, lighting feeling dull and flat, and object pop-in. We've read your comments, we've seen the homemade examples of retouched content, and yes, we've heard the Digital Foundry assessments. In many ways, we're in agreement here. We do have work to do to address some of these areas and raise the level of fidelity and overall presentation for the final game. Now, having said that, they have, what, three months? Three and a half months to do this? Yeah, I mean, it sounds like it's probably, it's probably just, like, it's, it's probably not, not that hard. I think they can do it. Well, you know, I don't think it's going to be that big of a so deal, it, but it's like you would, you would think that you wouldn't use, as they say further in this, a week's old rendering for the trailer when it's your biggest moment of the year to so hype I, up the release. I just remembered while we were, while you were reading that, that uh, when the Halo Master Chief Collection came out a few years ago, one of the biggest critiques was that, uh, you know, the new games, they look great, but in terms of actual gameplay, it was harder to tell which types of enemies were what. It was harder mm-hmm. to see enemies. You And you basically, it was the game was easier to play. You had an advantage playing in, like, the uh, classic mode, mm-hmm. which was much more flat and vibrant than the there new one. So, so I, I, And it sounded like a lot of players were pretty mad about that. So I, it seems like they might have overcorrected in the opposite direction. And sure, I think that a fine choice for multiplayer, which we'll get into, but as far mm. as campaign goes, they really had a chance to flex the, the futuristic muscle of yeah. this next-gen console, and it doesn't seem like they did, regardless of how big and open world the game is. Yeah. Um, anyways. So uh, they, they also they indicate that, uh, quote, 
The build used to run the campaign demo was work in progress from several weeks ago, with a variety of graphical elements and game systems still being finished and polished. While some of the feedback was expected and speaks to areas already in progress, other aspects of the feedback have brought new opportunities and considerations to light that the team is taking very seriously and working to assess. We don't have firm answers or outcomes to share yet, but the team is working as quickly as possible on plans to address some of the feedback around detail, clarity, and overall fidelity. The team is committed and focused on making sure we have a beautiful world for players to explore when we launch. Now, over on the multiplayer side of things, we might have some good news for you and bad news for Microsoft if they think anyone's going to actually buy a full copy of Halo Infinite. Now, having said that, and based off of Microsoft's recent track record, which includes the past few years since they've launched Game Pass, I don't think they're really going to be relying heavily on people purchasing... Halo Infinite, or any other Xbox-exclusive game, yeah. it's abundantly clear that everything that they're working towards is pushing to their Game Pass subscription model, which, in context, adds a bit of weight to the rumors surrounding Halo Infinite's multiplayer mode. It seems like it's going free-to-play. Completely free-to-play. So, update after we film this video. It turns out that, yep, it's confirmed. Halo Infinite multiplayer will be free-to-play. It says here, right on this tweet... That they tweeted after we filmed, Halo is for everyone. We can confirm Halo Infinite multiplayer will be free to play and will support 120 frames per second on Xbox Series X. More details will be shared later. Uh, that's that's it. There you go. The leaker also claims the arena mode will aim for up to 120 FPS and that multiplayer Halo Infinite will include a battle pass system and new customization options. Yeah. All of it makes sense considering a constantly updated battle pass system has been a proven moneymaker in the industry that allows these games to consistently bring in money over their lifespan instead of just getting a bunch upon release. I mean, yeah. I, I, COD Warzone, I would reckon, has probably made more money than, than the, the actual base, game. Than the actual uh, Modern Warfare game. I would, uh, I mean, I'm sure that eventually they'll release stats if they haven't already, but I would tend to agree with you that uh, the real moneymaker here is putting it out and, uh, yeah. and making money along the way. Uh, case in point, I thought during the EA showcase that that Rocket uh, game was going to be free to play with a battle pass. Mm -hmm. No, they're charging $40 for that game, and it is it is completely flopped. Like, no one is talking about it. No one is playing it. Hmm. Uh, turns out, stupid idea. When <laughs> I found out that it cost money, I was like, oh, they thought people were going to pay for this? I am playing that. Yeah, well, when it comes to games like Call of Duty and $40! Halo, <laughs> Halo, it, it is, it's a more risky endeavor, I guess, because it, they haven't really done this before. But having said that, Xbox is really pushing people to have their Game Pass, and they're probably going to bundle a bunch of free months of Game Pass with the purchase of an Xbox Series X. So everyone that buys the new console is, at least temporarily, most likely going to get Halo Infinite to play anyway. I think and it's then a great they, idea. And then they do the multiplayer free-to-play with a Battle Pass system. Yeah. It, Makes the most sense, yeah. at least in the year of our Lord 2020 and beyond. Yeah. Um, not saying it doesn't suck in general to constantly have to throw money at a game every couple of weeks or months in order to have the ability to unlock everything, but it makes sense. And you don't have to buy the Battle Pass. It just gets you a bunch of trinkets and... Uh, Skins. And, you know, express abilities to get all that yeah. stuff. Uh, but, yeah. Anyways, speaking of games, remember Stadia? No? mm, -mm. Well, uh, that was Google's abysmal attempt to bring cloud gaming to the masses that ultimately failed because of a slew of reasons. Um, only people who'd paid $130, like this idiot, <laughs> this, this fucking roof, <laughs> only people like Ricky could access it at first. They missed 
deadline uh, Stadia, they missed deadlines as far as their free-to-play options were concerned. They failed to lock down big titles in a timely manner. And on the titles they had, which did offer multiplayer experiences, they failed to build an active player base big enough to actually support them. Mm -hmm. uh, the last we heard from Stadia was that they had this, uh, this big, grand, aggressive release schedule for 2020 that would see the release of 120 games on the platform. Have they kept up with that promise? Well, we have no idea, because that was... That was the last we heard of Stadia. <laughs> I haven't really been following it very much, yeah. but I would, I'm going to press X to doubt <laughs> on, mm -hmm. on this, that they have uh, kept up their aggressive release yeah. schedule. It's all been radio silence from them until this week. Until this week, yeah. And the news this week, not great for them either. Uh, apparently, Stadia is so worthless, so pointless, that not even Fortnite is willing to appear on its roster. Damn. Now, you would assume that Fortnite on Stadia would be a no-brainer, considering that they've made their game available almost everywhere. PC, Mac, multiple consoles, including the Nintendo Switch, even phones regardless of the operating system. Uh, but no, Epic Games is just not interested in bringing Fortnite to Stadia. Uh, and do you wonder why? Well, here's the statement that comes from CEO Tim Sweeney himself, who responded to uh, a question about Fortnite's availability on Stadia. Uh, here's what he said. There's not a deep reason. We fully support Stadia in Unreal Engine. However, the effort required to release Fortnite updates weekly in sync across 7-plus platforms is extreme, and that makes it hard to add platforms that don't yet have mass-market user bases. Damn, he just negs them. Yeah, he, he really did, and I think that's the point. Yeah. Like, make them feel bad because... Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's been pointed out that this tweet, which is clearly a dig at Stadia's active player base, is purposefully putting pressure on Google to give Epic Games a shit ton of money to bring their game to Stadia. Mm -hmm. We'll do it, but it'll cost you. Yeah. Now, it's obviously possible, but it's clear that this would be far more beneficial to Google and the Stadia platform than it would be to Epic Games. And this is, this is Google, after all. They should be willing to foot the bill here because it could, probably won't though, <laughs> but it could be the game that could actually bring that mass market to their cloud gaming platform. At least it's something. And it would be yeah. a free-to-play. Yeah. So, at least it's something. Yeah. Like, Mom, you don't have to buy... I, I'm going to stop begging you to buy me that, like, $1,000 gaming PC. That I'll just I go onto the browser. Yeah. Mom, just get me the Stadia subscription. That I mean, kind of. I'm not saying it is, but it kind of shows how little Google has faith in the platform. Yeah. That they're not willing to invest in what is... Still, essentially, the biggest game on the planet. That's yeah. If Google never commits fully to anything, mm -hmm. and this is just another one, it's like if they really wanted this to succeed, they would have been, you know, locking down these contracts. They wouldn't have just been like, "All right, it's here, developers, uh, come and get it, come and get it." Yeah, no, that's not how anything. <laughs> Who wouldn't want to work with us? If you're trying yeah. to like fucking break in and disrupt anything. You need to, you need to throw some money down. Yeah. And moving on, though, remember last week when we spoke about Comic-Con at home and how it was completely confusing because we really didn't have any idea what was happening when or where? <laughs> now, honestly, I'm sure, I'm sure I could have done a better job of tracking down certain things where they were going to happen live across multiple outlets, uh, uh, and there were many involved. But I just didn't really see the point because all the actual important stuff would have been available and shared at some point afterwards anyway. Right. Why would I care about watching it live? Yeah. Well, apparently, we weren't the only ones who weren't exactly hooked by this new pandemic-induced experience because it looks like Comic-Con at home was just a flop all around. Yeah. So, per Variety, despite A-list panels for The Walking Dead, Star Trek Universe, and two Keanu Reeves movies, Comic-Con at home cast a pale shadow in comparison to Comic-Con of recent years. Perhaps the starkest example yet of what we lose when we lose the live experience. 
According to data from social media analytics firm Listen First, tweets that mentioned Comic-Con at home were down 95% from 2019's live convention. Just 93,681 tweets over the five-day event against 1,719,000 tweets from 2019. Tweets about the top 10 TV events were similarly down 93%, and tweets about the top five movie panels were down a shocking 99%. Oh, man. Uh, it continues, Views on YouTube, which hosted the vast majority of Comic-Con's panels, were scarcely better. Average views for Thursday, which have had the longest period for people to watch them, are hovering around 15,000 per panel. On the one hand, that's over double the capacity for Comic-Con's biggest live venue, the famed Hall H. Uh, but I'd like to interject here and say that uh, making this available for free to an infinite amount of people on a free platform, mm -hmm. uh, th those numbers are still very bad. Yeah. Continuing, in terms of YouTube views and social media impact, by far the best performing panel for Comic-Con at home was for The New Mutants, 20th Century Studios' long-suffered Marvel Comics adaptation, which has had its release date pushed four times since April of 2018. <sighs> to date, the film's panel has logged just over 208,000 views on YouTube since July 23rd, thanks largely to the decision to debut a first look at the opening scene for the film within the panel itself. Still, success here is relative. The 50-second ad promoting the Comic-Con at Home panel for The New Mutants has logged over 303,000 views in 11 days. So people are like, oh, let's see what we got. Not interested. Well, that also goes into something I was going to talk about on News Dump, but I don't want to beat this, this platform down anymore. But typically, the trailers for things get way more views than yeah. the actual things themselves. Sure. Whether it's a movie, a game, whatever. Uh, and Venn put up a lot of trailers. Yeah. Let's stop talking about it. Continue on, Elliot. Uh, yeah. The panel for AMC's The Walking Dead, which included the announcement that season 11, Jesus, will be delayed due to the pandemic, was the strongest performer for TV, logging over 84,000 views on YouTube and generating nearly 11,900 tweets. This video will get more views than The Walking, than Dead, the Walking Dead panel. It's sad. <laughs> yeah. Pathetic. <laughs> We're terrible and we get more views. Yeah. Panels for spinoff shows Fear the Walking... Is that still going? Uh, Fear yeah. the Walking Dead and Walking Dead World and Beyond? What the fuck is that? Please anyway, stop. Please those, stop The Walking yeah. Dead. Those panels didn't fare quite as well, earning just over 66,000 views and 21,000 views, respectively. Whew. So, yeah, yeah we know this whole Comic-Con at home thing was far from ideal, and everything would have been a hell of a lot better if the event had actually happened normally, if not for this darn pandemic that we just can't seem to shake. Yeah. But... We've tried everything. <laughs> we've tried everything, and we give up. Yeah. But, yeah, it's still pretty shocking to see just how low the interest level really was. Yeah. Uh, finally today, with, with the country suffering massive unemployment over the past few months and with people desperate not only to find work but to break into the entertainment industry, mm. uh, here's some good news for you. And good being a, a word. Yeah. You, yes you, can be an influencer's assistant, pulling in around $25 to $30 an hour. Damn. If you're okay with being used and abused by a popular female celebrity. Uh, the job listing posted on entertainmentcareers.net starts out simply enough. I mean, it's an assistant job after all, but it quickly devolves into a description that mimics paid servitude. Uh, here's, I mean, the Look, whole- Look, it's not slavery if I pay. It, the whole thing is quite good, but uh, I, I left out some stuff. Anyways, here's some selects from the listing. A well-known celebrity slash influencer with 10 plus million followers is seeking a well-organized, available, diligent personal assistant to join her team. In this position, you should feel comfortable planning, managing calendar activities, Okay. Being on property around eight hours a day. Okay. Right. 
Cleaning. Mm. Uh, okay. Cooking. Hold on. Hey, wait. <laughs> uh, communicating with producer, videographer, editor, manager, all stylists, cleaning services, other celebrities, friends. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Researching and preparing for all pre-production, production, and post-production activities. Hold on. Uh, uh, <laughs> handling all personal tasks for the YouTuber, etc. Okay. That uh, seems like a lot of work. These... Uh, uh, these... <laughs> These, these roles are starting to really pile up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, that's not it. Let's continue. Yeah. You must be able to remain calm, rational, and hardworking at all times. You will have to answer your phone, be on call, almost 24-7. You must keep all emotion and private life matters completely away from this world. You will deal with lots of incredibly private matters. You must be able to handle hundreds of small tasks at once. Jesus. You must be able to be the bad guy, remove emotion, handle intense conversations, and bounce back instantly from any mistakes without emotion. <laughs> you must remain sober, yet social and inviting in very high-profile environments. You cannot take photos, post to social media, or be or seem driven by pain. <laughs> Once the COVID-19 pandemic is over, you must be willing to travel anywhere at any time. And here's some further notes regarding the position. Schedule, plan, and prepare all filming, editing, and posting from pre-production to production to post-production. Managing, analyzing, and reporting social media posting and performance, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram. Wake the client each day with schedule, coffee, and all other requests. Organize and pack and unpack clients' bags constantly. Constantly, I love that. <laughs> Must have a car and be able to drive client anywhere at any time. Actual work hours will be flexible, but generally expect to be with the client all the time with minimal <laughs> days off. Wow. Sounds like a fucking dream yeah, job, it's right? It's flexible, but yeah, you're pretty much not going to have any free time. You're going to have to be here all the time. So yeah, you're a caretaker. You're an entire production studio. Uh, you're a social media manager. You're a, just a manager in general. Yeah, you're a maid, a butler. Yeah, you're a cook. Uh, uh, you're a, a delivery driver. You're a chauffeur. Uh, everything. And look, the pay... All things considered, also very weird, 24-7 on call and be with me most of the time, but only eight hours a day worth of pay. Still, yeah. at $25 an hour, it comes out to a gross pay of around $70,000, which not bad outside of any major city. But it, what they're describing is like at least three people's $70,000 What they're describing, typical rate in Los Angeles, I would say bare minimum, double that, yeah. if not far, far more than that. Especially yeah. for someone who, all things considered, this seems like a person who is doing fairly well, probably making millions of dollars probably. a year. Probably. Who is then asking someone to make their life to where their entire business is just them standing in front of a camera or a phone, mm -hmm. doing their thing for a bit, you know, just, and then walking away. Just wheel me out of bed in the morning. Prop me up. Press record. You edit the videos. You, you handle me, all this. Dump me back in the jacuzzi. And, also deal uh, with all of my business. Yeah, just and do promotion. everything. Yeah, I'll be over here influencing. Yeah, you uh, leave the influencing to the influencer. You better not even care about fame. Yeah, this is uh, it's pretty incredible. And like, yeah, and also just that the job they just described impossible. Literally not possible oh, yeah, yeah. for it one person to do. Destined, destined to fail. Yeah, it's uh, it's just yeah, doomed. But it's, realistically, we we can't wait to hear the, who this female influencer is. Ah, uh, yeah. And we would love to have the person who is hired secretly make a documentary about their life on the job because yes. that will get way more views and way more income for this person mm -hmm. than this horrific job. But hey, economy's bad. People want to break in. It is 70 grand a year, although you'll probably last about a month before yeah, quitting. But that's, uh, yeah. This'll happen. We, I can't wait to find out who it is. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, uh, if, if you're looking for a job, there you go. Yeah, uh, enjoy. Um, 
And uh, this, that's the end of our show. Watch the most recent episode of Tech News Day where uh, the four biggest guys in tech, they got grilled by Congress. Yeah, grilled being the, the word of the day. They got smoked <laughs> yeah. and grilled. And uh, the most recent episode of uh, Internet Today Daily where, what did we talk about on that one? Who knows? It was four days ago. Yeah, can't It remember. might as well have been four years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, stay tuned for a new ex- episode of Weekly Weird News coming sometime this weekend. In the meantime, uh, I don't know, beat the heat. It's going to be 102 here tomorrow. Beat the so. heat. That's This is why we need theaters to come back, not tenant. Yeah. They're air conditioning Just holes. turn on the AC. Yeah. Do it. All right. Bye. Bye.